I'm Jennifer. I'm Emily. And this is All Things Terror. It is a podcast where we bring you research tales from science, history, and true crime that are spooky and unsettling. And this is our special epilogue where we talk about the season that just ended and just jibber, jibber, jabber, jibber, jabber all day long, baby. I know, we just force you guys to listen to us having a regular Jennifer Emily, Gemily, or Emily Jennifer Emifer conversation. Yes, if you will, uh, which Clint loves dearly. and He hears way more of it. Yeah, he cuts out <laughs> increasingly less jibber-jabber, I think. I think he thinks if I cut out less of this, they will be less inclined to keep doing this. Um, but that's that's not the case. That's not that's not how it works at all. We just keep going. Well, so in our previous epilogues, we have talked about I think movie scary movies we've seen, and we've talked about lessons learned from the season. But we're gonna mix it up a little bit. Yeah. Um. Not that we. I feel like we might have learned some things and there might be scary movies in our life. But uh, this time, uh, one of the questions that I threw out to consider is recommendations of things that uh, maybe are not totally related to all things terror, but are maybe tangentially related to all things terror. Yeah. Um. And you, you and I have, uh, I think earlier on we had passing conversations about stuff that we're reading, and I don't read exclusively, like, you know, things in the creepy world or true crime. That's not really actually what I read the most of anyways, and um, while we both love horror movies, I know that we're both uh, interested in other types of TV shows and stuff, so it gives us an opportunity to be a little more well-rounded and less two white girls talking about stuff that's fucked up. Yeah, I think that's true. I would say that um, I think I do read a lot of fiction and nonfiction. I do a lot of history stuff, which is not a surprise that comes into the podcast a lot. But yeah, I think we do bump into things that are not horror-y all the time. Um, but Jennifer, tell me, what, what kinds of media have you been consuming that's not terrifying? What's not terrifying you this week? Um, so I know this is a hot topic for some people, but I love the Witcher television show. It's on Netflix now, right? It's not a Netflix show, but it's on Netflix. Is that right? Uh, shit. I don't know actually where I have so, this is going to sound really pretentious, Mm -hmm. but I have so many streaming services. I don't know where I watch things sometimes. Uh, I um, feel like it's on Netflix, uh, but that's just a, a feel. It's probably on Netflix. It, you know, I think it is on Netflix, but it's great. Uh, Homeboy is definitely Geralt. He sounds like him. He, his, like, uh, like his physical gesturing is like him. It's perfect. He has the same type of, like, um accidental but like deadpan humor um the character for Jennifer I think is really well done and I have played 
the Witcher games. Um, and I am with a lot of other people who say like the blatant amount of sexism in Witcher 3 is almost hard to play through. It's true, but I feel like the TV show does address um, that a little bit more. But I still like the games. I really love the television show. I think it's well done. It, f- it feels like a really good homage to a video game and they even do like <laughs> they even do some things that I think is funny where they make references to um very quiet sneaky references to how the video games work like um Jaskater, which is Dandelion in in The Witcher um he makes a comment he's like here I am delivering exposition because that's what he does in the video game so there's like little small stuff like that i think is great and they even have a couple scenes that they film like the video game scenes when you have like the you know the whole cutout and like they have you know you're watching some part of the story unfold in the video game so i love it um another thing that i started watching that i'm not ashamed of is uh I started watching a Discovery Witches. Uh, I read can you. I need basic plot breakdowns of both of these things because I've seen the like vague advertisement that they exist, but that's all I know. Okay, so Witcher, based off a video game, it's kind of in. These are also based off of books. It's kind of hard to really do a better plot line than Geralt is a Witcher. He was made from magic, um, and he goes out and uh, deals with creatures that normal humans can't. Mm. And then there is the larger storyline, which is um, there's Siri, who people will find out over time why she's special, and and, and Geralt is connected to her. Siri, like and then the also thing that you talk to on your phone. <laughs> yes, like like that, but not. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's Yennefer, who is a witch, and all three of them have are basically fated um, to be a part of this, a longer history and a and an adventure. But do you just like it because there's a witch named Yennefer, and that's close to your name? I mean, I do appreciate that, but I like it because I am a big video game nerd. I I have always played video games. Um, whether it be on the computer or on console, I I liked The Witcher despite the other problems with it, and I think the uh, the actual story is really interesting too. So, uh, it's not for everyone. If you're not into that kind of thing, then you're gonna hate it. But that's Fair. fine. Um, a Discovery of Witches is based off of a trilogy where the first book is called. A discovery of witches Shocker. and it's more like so someone described it to me um as twilight for adults Aww. and i agree with that it is twilight for adults but i want to push it even further it's twilight for adults who take the business of vampires and witches a little more seriously and there's like less like weird abusive distant relationships mm-hmm. yeah okay this sounds much more promising and I will say, I read the books. I was, the first book was really hard for me to get through. And then when I read the rest of them, like I, I still felt like in the middle about it. Because young, young adult fiction just 
really isn't my world. Um, I try to read more YA novels to be more well-rounded. It's just not something I'm super into. But the series, I think, is really, really yeah. good. So the television show, it's it got rid of the stuff that I found annoying in the writing. And like now I can see the story, and the story is exciting. I like the, that description. I have the same thing where I... It's not that I dislike young adult fiction. One of my friends who really liked it described it as like, she's like, I really like sci-fi fantasy, but in adult sci-fi fantasy, it's all like a romance novel that's concealed as a fantasy novel. Whereas in young adult fiction, if a romance happens, it just sort of happens, but that's not the main point. And I was like, oh, I can really respect that. But I, yeah, I have a hard time getting into YA fiction. Like, I don't disrespect it, and I don't think it's, like, not good writing or not good plotting or whatever. It's just there's something about it that I don't always feel gripped by it. Um, yeah. But I I find that interesting, that description of, like, it's it's addressing, like, kind of, like, plot holes or something in the book series. Yeah, it just feels more whole in the television yeah. show, but I guess there's limitations like for either genre. Like books can only do so much. And sometimes things are just cheesy and it can't not be cheesy in writing. And then then there's the magic of movies and television and what they can do there to like take away the cheese and like make you know, the spectacle show. Yeah, so. I think Harry Potter is kind of a good example where I think both the novels and the movies have their flaws, but, like, the novels make for more streamlined plots. Mm-hmm. And so it does become more kind of, like, action-driven and interesting. But then, like, the wooliness of the Harry Potter novels is kind of fun, even though they really don't make sense. Like I reread a couple of them a, a couple years ago to be like, Oh, I read these as a kid. I wonder if they hold up. And I was like, they're really fun to read, but like every other page is like a plot hole or like, Oh, here's just a new element. Like do she is so bad at do machina. Like, Oh God, we're in this situation that we can't get out of. And they're like, well, here's a thing that nobody knew existed until this very moment. Like, that's what plot counts for in those books. And it's <laughs> it's a little disappointing. Like, they're still really fun to read, but they're not well plotted. And the movies, you can tell they struggle really hard to find a way to streamline that. Um, and so I understand why people like the movies and the books, but consider them like separate plot lines almost or separate entities. That's fair. Um, so just full disclosure here, people, I've only read like one or two of the Harry Potter books by time. Oh, damn. By time Harry Potter was a thing, like I was already, like it was gaining popularity and I heard about it. I was in high school and I was way too old for that shit. Yeah, I, I read the first Harry Potter book. So the first book is. Harry Potter is like living under the stairs and he's gets a letter that says you're going to Hogwarts and you get your Hogwarts letter when you're 11. And I read the first Harry Potter book when I was 10. So for a while there, there was one Harry Potter book coming out every year and I was the same age as Harry Potter. Um, 
which was very exciting. So I, I really grew up with Harry Potter. And like when the last book came out, I was like very excited, but also kind of happy to be like, yeah, this needs to wrap up. Like I can't maintain this excitement. Yeah, so Harry Potter came out, like, the first book, um, it was published in 1997. Yeah. So. I would have been 10 turning 11. I was already 12. I will say, uh, one of my favorite possessions is a little fleece blankie, you know how they have, like, fleece cuddle blankies? And it has mm-hmm. Harry Potter on it, but it, I got it from my friend for my birthday when I was probably, like, 12 years old. Um, and so it's, like, 20 years old, um, and it's before there were movies. So it's just, like, this little illustrated Harry Potter, and it's very cute, and I love it. My <laughs> cats love it. Because it's fleece. It's so soft. I yeah I didn't hear about Harry Potter until like I was in the sixth grade no not sixth grade Jesus ninth grade and I was like I'm not reading these I'm uh too goth and cool I don't care no I just can't read that kind of st- I I mean I'm I don't want to say I'm a picky reader but definitely in high school I was like you know chasing different type of dragons when it comes to reading fair <laughs> um so the the other thing um i have been reading recently and again i want to point out this is because i'm trying to read like i don't try to i don't read just like one type of genre but i have um i read this series um the first book is city of brass and it's by sa chakraborty and then the second book is Kingdom of Copper. I read both of those. Uh, it's a fantasy novel. It's a trilogy. The third one is called em- uh, shit. Empire of Gold, and that's coming out this year. And it is a really amazing trilogy. Um, it's basically, like, just to give you the Vegas of rundowns, there's a woman in Egypt. She finds out she is connected to... Um, people who have magic that are um, that are like Jen or Arjun, but they have different names, and uh, she's basically helping level a kingdom of oppression in that magical place. Nice. And then the other thing I have been reading is uh, Winter Tide by Ruth Anna Emerus. And I just started the second book called Deep Roots, and it's like Lovecraftian horror, but less less bad parts of Lovecraft. Yeah, so, so. not racist, just uh, spooky creatures. It actually deals heavily with the sub- uh, subject of racism. Oh, but, but not in like a I hate people who aren't white way. <laughs> correct. Yes, that sounds that sounds much better. And again, it's it's a fantasy uh, series. Nice. So once I finish those, then I'm probably going to pick up some uh, nonfiction. But that's where I'm at right nice. now. Um, I just knocked something over. Sorry, Clint. Smooth. Yeah, I am currently reading a book that I think all things Sarah listeners would like. It's nonfiction. It's called uh. 
She says with a yawn. I know. Uh, it's called the... Oh, my God. I can't believe it's 1 o'clock. Um, it's called The Unwomanly Face of War. And um, it's this journalist who... I had read a book of hers about 10 years ago. Um, and in that book, she interviewed people who lived in Chernobyl and uh, had to evacuate when there was the chemical plant reactor meltdown thing. Oh, yeah, and so this one, um, and she's a Ukrainian journalist. Uh, she is in this one interviewing women, uh, Eastern European women who fought mostly during World War II, but kind of there's lots of conflicts in Russia and the environs around that era. Um, and it's really, really uh, grim, as you might think when I say the words Eastern European and war. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's really interesting. Like she has a lot of bits about like, why would women want to do this? And I mean, part of it is that like, I mean, Russia was in a lot of wars. They were in the, you know, Russian Japanese war and they were fighting the Crimea and all this stuff before world war two. And they were just like, they would have soldiers and send them to the front and they'd be like, can we have a rifle? And they're like, well, take it off a dead body when you find one. I mean, they did shit like that routinely and people were just mowed down. Like they were literally running out of men to send to war. And so women were becoming like snipers in addition to being like nurses and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So there are some moments where she kind of engages specifically with that. And it's very interesting because they're talking about like, well, you know, this was high communist era like we believed in the motherland we believed that we were the motherland like we identified with our country more than we identified with ourselves as individuals like of course we wanted to go to the front and so it's just very interesting from that aspect but then also like oh my god like it's just really grim um but the way that this journalist does it she like kind of cuts these oral histories together so it's sort of organized more by theme than by person. Um, and the result is that you end up feeling like you're talking to like a chorus of people as opposed to like one person and then another person. Um, but it, it's just, it's really, it's an interesting project and it's, it's interesting to read. Um, I, over Christmas, I was traveling from Colorado to Nevada and driving a lot. And so I listened to some things on tape or not really on tape on my phone audiobooks that's the phrase I was looking for there um, <laughs> but I listened to two that I felt like were almost all things terror material but probably wouldn't but um, one was and they're both well-known authors I don't think this will be a revelation to anyone but one was Stephen Johnson's How We Got to Now and he looks at like different inventions and how that shapes the modern world and like one of them is like clean and he talks about like sewage and he talks about like Jon Snow and things that we love to talk about um and like sanitizing stuff before you say perform surgery um so that was just really interesting and then the other one that I listened to was by Mary Roach and she has a bunch of books she has one about dead like what happens to bodies and packing for Mars like space exploration so she's kind of a science journalist but she the one I listened to is called Gulp, and it was about your digestive system. 
your favorite yeah, topic. Yeah, so if you like the ones where we get horrified by human bodies, uh, that is a great thing to listen to. Um, she has a whole bunch, uh, like a whole chapter about farts, basically. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and as far as TV I- goes, I... My semester ended rough, and I've been working on a lot of projects that are very good, but also very, like, uh, um, intellectually engaging. And so I've basically just been re-watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> which I love, but is very silly. And then I just saw there's a new season of Grace and Frankie, which is on Netflix, and I love it so much. Yeah, um, I... I did rewatch something recently, but I can't remember what oh. it was, so I guess the point- While you're thinking of that, speaking of Grace and Frankie, uh, I listened to a podcast called Dolly Parton's America, and I love Dolly Parton, um, but it's also just, like, really, really good, even if you're not a Dolly Parton fan. Like, uh, there's a whole episode, one of the things that Dolly Parton is very famous for is that she is very apolitical, like, she doesn't discuss politics at all. Um, and her and Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin were in this movie in the 80s, 9 to 5, which is a classic and it's beautiful and I love it so much. But, um, so there was a moment in like 2016 or 2017 where all three of them reunited to present an award and Jane Fonda said something disparaging about Trump, which is awesome. And Lily Tomlin was like, yeah, of course. And Dolly Parton was basically just like, uh, okay, so anyway. Um, and so they really like focus on that and they interviewed Dolly Parton and they talked to her about it. And like Jane Fonda is obviously like has always been very liberal and very much an activist. And, uh, Lily Tomlin is a lesbian and has also been quite open, but Dolly Parton just is like, I don't like to talk about these things, but like that episode was really interesting where, um, she talks about, how she like respects Jane Fonda's position and she likes that that's what she does. And she's just like, well, that's not the right choice for me, but like, I'm okay if someone else does that, but like, I'm not going to do it, but I don't want her to change and I'm not going to change. And like, we can still be friends. And it was just like such an interesting nuanced discussion of that. Um, so I, I love that. I love Dolly Parton so much. And I love that podcast because I love her, but um, even if you're not a Dolly Parton fan, it's just a really interesting discussion of like pop culture and, and sort of, they, they take these different angles on Dolly Parton as an artifact of pop culture in each episode. And it, it's just really, really interesting. Yeah. She's a, she's a interesting character as a celebrity. She is. And, um, even as much as she's like, oh, I don't like to talk about politics. Um, you know, for years, she's been like this huge gay icon. Um, and she's been like, yeah, everyone's welcome at Hollywood. You know, everyone is into this. Like, she doesn't come out making a strong statement. Um, but like at live shows, she has been known when she's singing Jolene, like, please don't take my man. She said drag queen instead of Jolene. And she also like, uh, she has this Netflix special that came out last year, uh, which is 
2019. And in, like, the second episode, she has this moment where she's like, love is love. And, like, the whole plot of this episode was a mother reacting negatively to her son being gay. And then Dolly Parton shows up and is like, nobody gives a shit. And the mom is like, okay. Um, (laughs) So as much as she does stay apolitical, then she does kind of, she did kind of come outright with something that she said sort of privately. But is that, like, way too long after the fact that she should have? I, I don't know. It's it's just very interesting. She's a she's an interesting figure, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. I did finally remember what I was rewatching. Oh, good. What was it? What was it? <laughs> so I was rewatching um, season 14 of Supernatural because season 15 came out in october and i hadn't watched it yet so oh my god you and clint are both supernatural fans i love supernatural um sam sam and dean are my babies but uh it's funny because like i like these kind of i know like people think these shows are stupid but um it's really entertaining to me like it's a fun way like, a fun imagining of that kind of topic. And then, you know, it's based off a comic book series, so whatever. I tried to get into it, like, maybe when I was 25, which would be almost 10 years ago now. Uh, And I just, I watched about half of a season and of the first season. I could not get into it. And um, I kind of feel like maybe now I would be more amenable, like, to have it on in the background or something but maybe not i don't know is it on like hulu or netflix or something it's on netflix and the thing is is like you know stuff like um stuff like supernatural or uh what's another good example like doctor Um, who doctor who yeah like these kind of things like i can buy into cheesy and over the top um in certain conditions and i love i love those kinds of shows like when it's done well it's super exciting for me because i do like i like to suspend reality like i can watch the serious shit too but like my favorite genre is horror (laughs) like i i want the weird and out there kind of stuff i watched doctor who when i was doing my master's thesis and i got like all caught up and um I tried to rewatch it later and I was like, I cannot get into this, but it is, I think for me, um, I think I needed, uh, like something a little light and silly when I was working like so hard and intellectually on my thesis. And like now my brain, when my brain is not working that hard, I want to watch something more dramatic and cerebral but like when my brain is working hard i just want to watch something light and enjoyable and entertaining and like shit's been real bad in the world lately and i'm just like i don't necessarily want to watch sad things like i just want to watch like heartwarming things like brooklyn 99 uh and grace and frankie so i might cycle back I just but like- it, it's like what i like to watch is very dependent on like what else is going on I like, like, stuff that's a little bit dark, a little bit fantasy, but then also really funny. I mean, that's why I like Supernatural. It's why I like, um, 
Fringe is a good example of one of like a, a show I super super love and I will rewatch it all the time. I don't um, know if I've ever watched Fringe. It I think that if you watch it you'll be ashamed to be my friend. <laughs> I I really like I like comedies a lot like I've lost track of the number of times that I've watched Parks and Rec or Gilmore Girls. Um, I I like sort of things that don't make normal people feel inadequate, I guess, where like, not like, oh, I'm a fat slob and I'm going to bitch about my wife. I hate that kind of sitcom, but I, I do like a lot of sort of smart lowest common denominator like tv shows i don't know if that describes it where it's like you can read into it but you can also just enjoy it for surface value i i don't know i i will freely admit that i enjoy trash so i mean i seriously just said that i love supernatural yeah (laughs) it's not it's not like it's a more serious show like the expanse is an example of like a really great television show. It deals with a lot of interesting stuff. Sometimes it's just C-SPAN, but um, it's it's a it's a smart TV show. It deals with some more complicated things about human relationships, and I watch it. But if I had to choose between something like that and something like Supernatural, I'm always going to pick Supernatural first because I I want something a little more wild, a little more fun. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know what else to ask you. Did we learn anything this season? I mean, I think we learned some more technical lessons. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Um, I don't know if I have any big takeaways for this season other than, like, there are ways in which even ordinary, ordinary things can be can be petrifying in the right circumstances, you know. Yeah. Or routine can suddenly go very wrong. Or something that you're even skilled at can end up being the thing that kills you. In the case of our, our hikers from the first two episodes. Yeah, I feel like we this season had a theme almost of like... I don't want to say like workplace hazards. <laughs> Because that makes it sound like a podcast about Usha. But, like, yeah, like, you go to work and or you're going through your daily routine and it's not a big deal. But, like, the hidden terror that lurks behind that. Well, ordinary life is terrifying if you look close enough. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, uh, one, accurate statement. And two, a good phrase for both. Um, our podcast season and our podcast in general. Ordinary life is terrifying if you look close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I I told you about a couple purchases that I was excited about, but I did not tell you about the impulse purchase that I made that I'm less excited about, but seems very appropriate for our podcast. Mm-hmm. So, this book literally fell into my hands from a bookshelf. 
at a bookstore I was in. But it's called The Poetry Witch, Little Book of Spells. It's a teeny tiny book. And on the back, because you know how they like to classify what genre the book actually mm-hmm. is. Uh, actually is. It's, um, it's poetry. And it's published by Wesleyan University Press. Interesting. And this is The Poet's Note. <laughs> Spite Annie Finch. By the way, who I did not know even existed. So there you go. Poetry is a spell. Spun at the intersection of magic, word, and world. This book gathers spells that leap out from my book of selected poems. Spells. That's the name of the book. Like sticky seeds, when you brush past, these passages latch onto me, ready to be carried to you. To your power. Your contemplative life. Your ability to make change. Say them aloud, if you can. Say them thrice, if you will. Use them to help you cast a circle, turn the year, coven, create, invoke. It took like a weird dark turn there, right? Yeah, it did. (laughs) Or maybe an ominous turn. This feels very much uh, like right the intersections of your interests. (laughs) <laughs> it's really funny I um, it was only like 7 bucks and, and it was published recently it's published in 2019 so I was like well I clearly have to I clearly have to read yeah. this um, but I just felt like I really needed to share that poet's note that with you that is one hell of a poet's note <laughs> I know it's great <laughs> it's intense it's, yeah it's Really exactly what I would expect from a witch poet note. It's like I'm gonna start I'm gonna start you off soft and then we're gonna go deeper and then it's gonna get a little bit ominous and then you're gonna leave feeling like I don't know what just happened, but I don't know, I gotta do something now. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta I gotta chant a poem, goddammit. That that's what I had to share. I gotta chant a poem, <laughs> goddammit. That feels like a good epilogue. Uh, normal life is scary enough, so I gotta chant a poem, goddammit. I mean, truly, a lesson for a our lesson time. for our time. Hashtag, you're welcome, <laughs> America, and Clint. Especially Clint. Especially Clint. Always Clint. Well, I think it's that time. Goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is... Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever. <laughs>